Hello, everyone, and welcome to Diversify Her Podcast. I'm your host, Raven Hayward, and today on the show, I have Dr. Terrence Ruth. Dr. Terrence Ruth is currently teaching and conducting research in the School of Social Work at North Carolina State University, and he strongly believes in the concept of equity, diversity, and inclusion as a community member, citizen, father, and teacher. His community service experience includes prior work with the North Carolina NAACP, where he was an executive director, and his prior work with Repairs of the Breach. He has a history of working with these organizations to create systematic social change, and his experience has given him broad policy and practical experiences that he has used to help target and deliver services in those of need of help, such as helping the homeless and secure housing. Um, He is currently on the way and running for the mayor in Raleigh, North Carolina, and his campaign issues are affordability, community trust, small business support, transportation, and taxes. I wanted to thank you so much, Dr. Ruth, for coming on the show. I know it's been a while since I've posted my last episode, and I am now getting accustomed to living on campus, college life. I am in my first semester at UNC Chapel Hill, and I am at the age where I'm able to utilize my right to vote. So are a lot of my peers. So I really feel like it's important that we talk about the importance of voting. And I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? Doing well. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you again for having me, Raven. Yes, thank you for joining. I know you've been very busy with your schedule as you're running for mayor. I would love to just get to know more about you. So could you please tell me about yourself and your journey as to how you got to where you are today? Yes. um, No, it's a very good question. Um, I remember in high school, uh, my opportunity to uh, even enter college came through um, an, an academic, not academic, but an athletic scholarship. And um, I spent a year in college playing football. And um, I realized that I wanted to exercise my my brain muscle more. And I made a decision after that one year of football to actually go full-fledged college. And it changed my life. That decision changed my life. Um, And I ended up transferring to a school called Oglethorpe University in Atlanta. And when I was there, it was one professor. I wasn't the 4.0 student. Um, I didn't have, you know, the perfect GPA, but it was one professor. Her name was Dr. King. And now it's Dr. Momon. But at the time, she was Dr. King. And she was the adjutant to Bernice King. And she was teaching a class on MLK Leadership. And I took her class and she ended up telling me, Terrence, uh, there's something in you that's special. And that was the first time that I had a professor actually do that. And it was just one human being. Um, and, and she then allowed for me to introduce the, the late John Lewis, Representative John Lewis, when he came to our school. Um, she opened the door for me to meet Coretta Scott King before she passed away. Um, she allowed for me to, to um, explore civil rights leadership. Um, uh, what does it mean to lead during difficult times? Um, what does it mean to be human while in leadership? Um, and so her influence was tremendous. And I went on and to be a, a high school uh, and, and teacher and principal in an alternative setting. And from there, 
um, I began to see the world differently because all my students, when I say uh, alternative school, that means they were suspended or in some sort of juvenile justice program. And what I saw were individuals that looked just like me. And that's when I began to ask deeper questions. Why is our society producing this output? How do I play a role in changing what we see in this setting? And that's really what started my, my exploration. That's why I went to get my master's, went to get my PhD in public affairs, and then ended up uh, teaching at NC State and, and exploring different national roles around advocacy, policy, and research. Wow, that's amazing. So through your time with teaching at the principal, and you said that that caused you to ask deeper questions and looking at how society was producing this outcome, what do you think some of those factors were in producing those outcomes? Yeah, so um, when you uh, began to evaluate um, sort of systems level outcomes, you start to look at uh, stats that share um, a particular zip code. So in the city I, I'm in right now, I'm in Raleigh, you can look at a, a particular zip code and it will tell you from that zip code, a geographical region, it will predict the amount or the cap in which you will earn as an adult in salary. And in one area, it's only $27,000 a year yeah. from a particular zip code. From, from a zip code, you could predict levels of crime. From a zip code, you can predict the graduation rates. From a zip code, I mean, we're just talking about a geographical region. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that region um, often produced the students that I've seen come to my school. And what I, what I was able to at least determine from there is that there's a pattern. And that pattern forced me to ask questions around um, what decisions, what structures um, create that pattern? And how do we disrupt these patterns so that um, we're not seeing the same group of people, the same profiles, the same demographics into that same um, trajectory of life? And and uh, so those are the deeper questions and in, 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 in the link to education. Mm -hmm. uh, by the third grade, you can determine if someone's going to graduate high school or not. Um, by uh, the third grade, you can determine if someone's going to have an engagement with the criminal justice system and then where you where you are living um, and, and by the third grade will determine the quality of your education, the quality of the school, um, the, 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 the level of safety. Uh, and so for me, uh, this predictability is scary mm -hmm. and this predictability is what caused me to ask those deeper questions. Would you say that this predictability is what led you to wanting to run for mayor? Yes. So so most people ask the question, um, what why would a teacher want to be in you know political office? Um and what what I share uh with them is that the, the, the school system sees all the outcomes from local politics. Mm -hmm. All the outcomes from local politics hit the classroom. If you look at the civil rights movement, um, there were uh waves of activated high school students that were engaged in fighting for uh, rights. The civil rights sort of centered around integration of schools. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, so, that, so the high school uh, has always played a critical role in sort of this fight to see fairness in our country. And, uh, and so for me, 
being a teacher in that setting forced me to see local politics, local governance in a certain way. Um, and so my announcement came around the 2020 season where everybody was home and we seen sort of this uproar in the streets. And that was a young audience again. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were seeking leadership that's present, leadership that's out and trying to hear and learn from residents. And uh, and I began to get calls from um, community leaders and they began to ask me questions like, hey, I would love to be a part of um your your journey. I would love to. I would love to see you lead our city. I would love to see someone who has the credentials to uh, uh, understand policy and implement policy, but also the social capital to engage in authentic relationships in the community. And that's what brought me to my decision in January four of twenty twenty one. Wow! So, with you being a um, black man, that's not only being represented as an educator and having such an influence in your school as well as your community, now shifting towards politics, what uh, message or what would you want to create an influence for with young Black men that are wanting to follow in your footsteps? No, Raven, that's a really good question. Um, and we know representation matters, um, and and but also just as important, um, I ran a campaign, I'm running a campaign that that tries to be present in communities that historically have uh, been unheard and unseen. Um, we want to be in places where um, residents never met the mayor or a mayoral candidate, don't even know what a mayor does, don't even know the mayor's name. Um, we want to be in those places. Um, in the in the more underinvested sections of our city, um, and so for me, I make sure that uh, that we are present in those areas because that's the world of difference. And I remember our first event. Um, a, a black mother brought her four boys, and we we don't have a dollar threshold where you have to give a certain amount of dollars to get in. We welcome everyone, and a mother brought her sons, and she said, "I just wanted them to see this." I just wanted them to see someone like them that's running. I wanted them to meet you. And that's that's what this work is about. Um, this work is not about elevating Terrence. This, this is about elevating residents, making sure that their quality of life is better. Also, raising up the next pipeline of leaders that are black and brown, um, that come from communities that have never engaged politics at all. Um, that's where the differences are made. Uh, and and you know, on the other end, what I try to do is I try to be transparent about this journey too, so that people are prepared to walk this journey. Right, right. We, we, we like to see leadership um, that highlights our human gifts um, and, 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 and talents. Um, but the leadership that I am entering in with this race is leadership that is humble, that is a student to the community, that's willing to listen and learn, that sees the voter and the residents as important, that see that the words that they share is an opportunity for me to lead better. Um, And I think that that style of leadership um, is not new um, in our history, um, but I think it's refreshing for a lot of residents. And when I meet young leaders, I let them know that leadership is necessary. I encourage it. I would love to coach you and train you if you if you would like, but also let's prepare for when it's not wonderful. 
Let's prepare for when it is difficult and complicated. Because most people want leadership when things are difficult. They want leadership when it's when it's hard to see the path forward. And so for the young leaders that's coming through, um, what does it mean for you to lead when you don't have uh, a certain amount of likes? What does it mean for you to lead when um, when the decision is not popular? And so for me, I try to incorporate that into um, my transparency as well so that young leaders are ready and, and ready for both the wonderful uh, and, and brilliant times and then the more difficult, complicated times. Right. So as we're entering this this new phase in our life, I know I myself, I'm in my first year at university at UNC, and I know a lot of my friends that will be listening to this episode, a lot of my peers as well, we're upon the age where we can vote now. And representation matters, of course, and seeing you in this leadership role and also wanting to make sure that our voices are heard, it's imperative that we go out and we vote, right? And you talk about being prepared during those hard times in leadership. And how do we bounce back from those hard times? What is your advice for when we are facing adversity or how do you plan or prepare for those outcomes that may not be the best? Yeah, no, it's a really good point. Um, We have some tremendous um, examples in our history. Um, One, uh, uh, leadership, any leadership course you take, and and I'm a student of leadership courses and leadership styles and and sort of um, personal leadership. I actually study leadership. I study how others lead. I study how others present themselves in difficult moments. I study how leaders organize themselves to make sure that they're efficient and productive. Um, But in our history, we've had tremendous leaders during difficult times. I mentioned John Lewis earlier. Um, He was in high school and he was leading a national organization. Um, And he had times where he had to pause. He had times he had to rest. He had times where he, he had to have sort of some some mindfulness, um, sort of spiritual journey so that he can stay focused on the work ahead. Um, uh, Dr. King had to check himself into a hospital when things were tremendously heavy on his body um, just so that he can get well. Um, but also he had times where he just rested with friends. Uh, in our season of leadership, you have to be able to plug into a space where you can sort of decompress, plug into a space where you can have mindfulness practice, plug into a, a space where you can rejuvenate. But you're always a student. Sometimes you think once you graduate, you're done. You're not picking up a book again. But some of the more brilliant leaders that I've seen in my lifetime have always been a student. And and I'm not talking about textbooks. I'm talking about they enter community and they learn. Mm -hmm. They enter spaces and they learn. They take what they learn and they, they digest it. And then when they digest it, it influences their decisions. Um, And so in difficult moments, if you're leading by what you heard from a broader audience, then you will have a broader following. But if you try to lead with your own intelligence and you assume that you're always the smartest person in the room or you assume that individuals that do not have your credentials can't teach you anything, um, it will be a very difficult and lonely time when things are hard. Um, So always be a student of the community. Always be a student of a broader base so that you're leading from a broader base when things are hard. Uh, but that question um, is relevant for this local election. Uh, most of the local elections that are coming up uh, this November 8th, 
early election, I think starts around October 20th, 22nd. The local elections was where the civil rights movement was 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 sort of embedded. You've seen the bus uh, boycott. That was a, the negotiation between the mayor and the commissioners. Um, you saw the, the sit-ins at schools. That's, again, that's local. That's school board. Um, you're talking about local elections. Um, most of the time, we think it was the president. We think it was JFK or whoever, but really it was local elections. And when the local government couldn't handle it, it bubbled up to state and federal. But most of most of the history you read around civil rights were local. Mm. So that's why it's important that we're not only active in the big elections, but the smaller elections, right? Because that's what's really impacting our day-to-day lives, of course. And I would love to know, as we come to the end of this interview, a signature question that I have is, what's one piece of advice that you would give Gen Z listeners to go out and diversify themselves? Really good. Um, One, there's something about critically thinking. And I always promote, I'm a, I'm a professor at NC State. I always tell my students, always critically think. And so if you are on a platform that you believe and you live by, whatever that may be, if it's personal, social, spiritual, whatever it may be, political, always try to understand with perfection your counter argument. That's the way you diversify. Always understand. In my PhD program, they force you to understand the counter argument before you understand your argument. So always try to understand why would somebody stand against the belief that I care about? And try to understand that person's viewpoint as much as you can so that you can understand your viewpoint more clearly. And I think that's a key element to diversifying yourself. Wow, that's great. Again, with just going along with active listening, right? And making sure that we're being empathetic while listening to others, because that is the only way that will create change and build closer as a community. Thank you so much again for coming on. Um, if my listeners would love to connect with you or seek mentorship from you, where can they go or where can they find you? Yeah, so it's just Truth for Raleigh. And that's actually on the ballot. It's Terrence Truth Roof. That's just my first initial last name, Truth for Raleigh. And that's everywhere. So Truth for Raleigh on Instagram, Truth for Raleigh on Twitter, Truth for Raleigh on Facebook. Um, also Truth for Raleigh at gmail.com. Um, and then my website is truthforraleigh.com. And so I would love to hear from you. would love to uh, answer any additional questions or at least get a chance to meet you. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone. I'll have that listed in the biography below. I'll make sure to go check out Truth for Raleigh. Again, thank you so much for coming on. And I will see you guys next time on Diversify Health.